So you think they had fun doing that? Huh? You, you think you'd have fun if you had a million dollars just drop in your lap? Yeah, come on! Yeah, you know, well, yeah, here's the deal. Uh, today, as we are in the series storied past, we get talking about the rich fool. Uh, really, that's kind of what we're going to talk about, you know? And, uh, you know, we're at Christ Church. We're committed to being absolutely relevant and talking about the whole counsel of God here. And so as we look at this story, just understand this is really important stuff today. Uh, but i got to be honest with you, <clears throat> it's going to be really challenging. It's just a tough story. It's just a really challenging story because we deal with this every single day, the question that's at hand. We're going to deal with it every single day. Now, to get, to get going here and to get the context of the story, <clears throat> you've got to go to Luke 12. So if you happen to bring your Bibles today, uh, get to Luke 12, will you? And this is going to be a great story uh, for you to just, you know, if you've got a pencil, grab a pencil because uh, there's words you're going to want to underline or circle here today that are just key kind of things to hold on to as, as you get this uh, teaching today. Okay, ready? So go to Luke 12, and uh, even though we've got it up here starting at uh, verse 13, we're going to back up one verse, and we're going to go to uh, Luke 12, 12. Okay, I like it when, when uh, God makes it easy to remember places to start. Luke 12, 12. 12, 12. That's good. Okay, so we're going to start at 12, 12. <clears throat> and, you know, Jesus is out there doing his ministry like he did, and, uh, and he's teaching, and he's healing, and he's preaching, and he's doing what he does, right? Uh, and in this instance in Luke... Uh, we get a clear understanding of kind of the landscape of what's going on uh, with verse 12. It says, During that time, a crowd of many thousands had gathered. There were so many people that they were stepping on one another. Right? Circle that phrase there, will you? Many thousand? The crowd of many thousand. I mean, so like you get this picture, right? How many? I mean, many times. I mean, when you think about Jesus and doing his ministry and stuff, I mean, what kind of numbers usually pop in your mind, right? Usually you're like, oh, let's see, Jesus, he's kind of running around with 12 guys. We got 13, a few women, 15, 20, right? But in this text, it's making it very clear how many people are being influenced by what Jesus is saying. Oh, many thousand. Many thousand. Why is it important to note that? This is one of those places in Scripture where it gives us insight into God's expectation of the influence that the gospel of Christ can have. See, there's lots of folks out there in, in church world who say, you know, these churches are just getting too big. We just need to be a small church where we can love and care for one another. Well, how many people was he influencing? Many thousand. Many thousand. You know, the reality is we're in the business of, of trying to influence, just like Jesus, as many people as we can influence. And that's important for us to get as we understand uh, this story of the rich fool. That Jesus is influencing as many people as he can possibly influence. Many thousand. There is no limit on the size. The only opportunity is, can you influence one more person? That's it. Can you influence one more person. So Jesus is out there, and he's got many thousands of folks, and he's influencing. In the midst of that whole giant crowd, it says that there's one guy that steps forward. And this guy steps forward from the crowd, and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family property with me. Now, this is interesting. What does the guy want? Well, Jesus is there, and he's teaching and speaking and influencing and, uh, boy, you'd think the guy would want to 
step forward and say, you know, like some other guys saying, tell me how I can inherit eternal life. Or, you know, could you just give me, give me the most important commandments? Or, you know, other guys did that, right? But this guy stepped forward, and, and what does he want from Jesus? He wants Jesus to use his influence on his brother so that he will get financial gain. See it? He's not asking Jesus to do, do you know, anything in terms of who he is as the Son of God, in terms of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and truth. He, he just wants to use Jesus' influence for his own selfish purpose and say, listen, Jesus, if you could just use your influence, influence my brother so that I get more, that I get the property I'm supposed to get from the inheritance. How many folks have been through the experience of settling an estate? Yeah, and when it comes to that matter of dividing up the money, pretty sensitive place, lots of conflict possible, right? That's what's happening here. There's conflict between this guy and his brother, and they're fighting over the money. They're fighting over the money. And so this guy says, Jesus, you're a man of influence. Use your influence to get me more. Keep that in mind as we go through the story, okay? So... What happens? Jesus, interestingly enough, uh, Jesus does not give the man uh, what he wants. Guys, could you advance it for me? There you go. Thank you. Jesus kind of avoids uh, what the guy wants. He says, friend, who made me a judge or an umpire between you? That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to be an umpire. Then he said to them, a word of wisdom. Watch out. Be on your guard against wanting to have more and more things. Now he makes an incredible wisdom statement. Just a, And I underlined it, italics it, highlighted it, so you don't miss this. Are you going to miss it? Can't miss it. Okay, incredible statement. You ready? He says, life is not made up of how much a person has. That's just a wisdom statement. That's, a, that's an everyday, relevant wisdom statement. It says, listen, for every day, you need to remember this. You, your life is not about how wealthy you are or how many things you can squeeze in your garage. That's not what life's about. You think, well, that's just not it. Life, there's more, more important stuff than that. Life is not about gaining riches and wealth and stuff. It's just not what it's about. Well, okay, you hear that declarative statement, and you, you know, it's in your face, and then you, you got to kind of take a deep breath and step back and think, well, okay, if that's not what life is about, what is life about, right? I mean, you kind of cleared the decks and said, look, this, this over here, this is not what life is about. So you got to step back and say, well, if that's not what life is about, then what, what is life about? That's where the story comes in. Right away, it says, then Jesus told them a story. By the time the story is over, he's going to answer for us that question. What is life about? Ready for the story? Here we go. So we get into the story, and we know the story has to do with money. Okay, so settle in, get ready for it, don't close me out. We know it has to do with money. Okay? And one of the questions we always get... When we get to this subject of dealing with wealth and money and all that stuff, 
is the kind of the second question, okay, life is not about this, what is life all about? And if it's not about this, well, is being wealthy bad or good? Okay question? Yeah. And so <clears throat> we get right away in the story. It says, <clears throat> Jesus said, a certain rich man's land produced a good crop. What did you just learn about this man? He is rich, circle the world rich. He's already rich. This guy's already wealthy. This guy's got it going. He's already top of the heap. He's got a good bank account. The barns are full. He is wealthy. It appears it's okay to be wealthy. How do we know that? Because he gets even more wealth. He's already wealthy. And what happened? God gives to him prosperity beyond his wealth. He's wealthy. And then God blesses him with an abundance of a new crop. He's already wealthy. And God gives to him a season of harvest that is expanding his prosperity. That's amazing. It appears that God is supportive of bringing prosperity into his people's lives. This guy is already wealthy, and God adds to his wealth. He adds to his prosperity. You see, there is nothing wrong with prosperity. In fact, there's a thread in Scripture, all the way through Scripture, saying that's what God does. That what God does is with his own people, he brings prosperity. Right? You can go back into the Old Testament and you can go back to, to Abraham and how his, how his whole flock flourished and Joseph, how his whole you know, flock flourished every, all the way along. Isaac and Jacob, their flocks kept flourishing and everybody else was looking and saying, wow, that guy just, he just, man, them, them goats keep going. Wow. Right? I mean, it's all the way through. And so we get from this and understand a basic, simple truth is, hey, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Nothing wrong at all. But look what happens right away. And now we get into the problems. What happens right away? It says, the guy had this extra produce, and he thought to himself, huh, what should I do? I don't have any place to store my crops. Circle the phrase, my crops. Whose crops? From this guy's perspective, who did all that wealth belong to? Him. Therein lies his first slip-up. This is his first problem. This is the first mistake we make when it comes to this discussion about prosperity. The first mistake we make is to somehow think it's ours. He's a wealthy man. And God adds to his prosperity. And the first question he has is, well, what do I do to take care of my prosperity? The first question that comes to his mind is, well, what should I do to preserve my good wealth? You see, that is the first step we take in misunderstanding God's perspective on wealth and prosperity in our life. That somehow, it's ours. It's not. 
Everything we have belongs to him. Everything we are belongs to him. It's all on loan from him. It's God who brings prosperity into our life. It's God who brings wealth into our life. It's God who brings that opportunity into our life. It all belongs to him, and he lends it into us. And we make a big, big first mistake when we think somehow it's ours to do with the way we want to do. That's not the case. It's just not the biblical case. If you look at Psalm uh, 103, Psalm 103 says, I will praise the Lord. I won't forget anything he does for me. What are you supposed to not forget? Anything he does for you, including the prosperity he brings into your life. Don't forget where it comes from. Don't forget. Just don't forget where it comes from. It's not yours. It all comes from his good and gracious love for you. Don't forget. It all comes on loan from him. It all belongs to him. Don't forget. The guy forgot. He forgot. And when you forget that, you know what happens? Wealth can become bad. Wealth can become bad. It's exactly what happens to him. He says, then he said to himself, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my storerooms and build bigger ones. I'll store all my grain and my other things in them. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things stored away for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, have a good time. Now, take your pencil and circle how many times in that chunk does the word my appear. You see it? How many times do you count? You can answer. It's okay. My grain, my other things, myself. There's got to be one more in there somewhere. Lots of eyes. You see what's going on in the story? Who's this guy all about? He's all about himself. And he assumes that his wealth is equally all about who? Himself. His wealth is all there for me. So I'm going to store it up. I'm going to get bigger barns. And the bigger barns I get, the more wealth I have. And then I'm going to be okay so I can eat, I can drink, and I can be merry. I can do whatever I want. Now, let me make a little asterisk here, right? This text is not a text that anybody can use to somehow say 401ks are bad, okay? This isn't about, you know, wealth management for your retirement. Of course we do that. Absolutely. That's good stewardship. It's just what's expected of us, right? I meet with young couples and I say, hey, give away 10%, you know, store in the barns 10% and live on 80%, right? That store in the barns 10% stuff's important. We need to do that retirement planning. We need to do that so we can so we can live comfortably in our age, right? All good. But what's this guy's problem? This guy's problem isn't, it's not about retirement planning. It's about understanding that all of the wealth he has and the prosperity that God's brought into his life is somehow only there and only about himself. And that's the mistake. The second mistake is that somehow it's not only ours, but it's there only for us. That it's only about us. If you look at 1 Timothy 6, Paul, teaching the young pastor Timothy, uh, talks about this issue of prosperity and wealth in our life. He says... You gain a lot when you live a godly life. Oh, so when do you gain a lot? When you live a godly life. Oh, prosperity comes with godly life. Okay. 
but you must be happy with what you have. We didn't bring anything into the world. We can't take anything out of it. If we have food and clothing, we will be happy with that. What's the deal? He's saying, look, you don't own it. You didn't bring it with you. You're not going to take it with you. You don't own it. Okay? So just wherever you are in your prosperity, just be happy with God's provision in your life. Right? Be thankful for God's provision in your life. Then he continues, people who want to get rich are tempted. Hmm. They fall into a trap. They are tripped up by wanting many foolish and harmful things. Those who live like that are dragged down by what they do. They are destroyed and die. Wealth has risk. The guy in the story, he made some mistakes because he misunderstood prosperity in his life. He thought prosperity, it was all owned by him, and he thought it was all about him. And when he did that, he became distant from God. There's a trap with wealth. There's a trap. You've got to be careful. That's why Jesus said, watch out, right? He says in Timothy, love for money causes all kinds of evil. Some people want to get rich. They have wandered away from faith. They have wounded themselves with many sorrows. You see the risk? When you think your wealth is all for you and you own it all, you put up a barrier in your faith between you and God. It creates distance between you and God. And and the more you focus on the wealth side of things, the further God is going to get away from you. Do you see that principle? There's just a risk. And if we make these mistakes, if we just think it's ours and we just think it's all about us, then we're pushing ourselves further and further away from God. Why? Because we're using it all on us. Right? This is Proverbs 30. And, and this is Solomon, and, and we all know Solomon was like the wisest guy in the world, right? That's what he asked from God, right? Give me just, make me the wisest guy ever. And so here is what the wisest guy ever has to say about this prosperity. Lord, I ask you for two things. One, don't refuse me, be, uh, and don't refuse me before I die. One, keep lies far away from me. Truth. He wants truth. Okay, so now whatever he's going to say next is going to be truth, right? Because he wants truth. <clears throat> Two, don't make me either poor or rich, but give me only the bread I need each day. What's he asking for? <clears throat> don't make me rich. He understands prosperity and wealth comes from God. <clears throat> he's saying, I-, I don't want that. And don't make me poor. I don't want that either. What does he want? It's what all our politicians always talk about. Going to help the middle class. Right? Solomon. Now, why does he want it? Here's his answer. Here's his answer to it. He says, if you don't, I might have too much. I might say, I don't know you. I might say, who is the Lord? What's he saying? Listen, if I get wealthy, I may fall into the trap. I may fall into the trap and think it's all about me and it's all mine and therefore I don't need the Lord in my life because it's all about me and it's all mine and I can eat, drink, be merry and I'm all good. He understands the risk that wealth can create distance from God if we're not careful. And then secondly, he says, I don't want to be poor either. Why? Or I might become poor and steal. 
then I would bring shame to the name of my God. What's his concern? His concern is whether he's in wealth or whether he's in poverty, that he continues to be in faith and he makes a statement and an influence for God. Don't miss that. His concern is that he makes a statement and an influence for God, whether he's in wealth or whether he's in middle class or whether he's in poverty. You see that? This is insightful for us, the answer to the question. What does it do? It moves us then to an understanding of what it is to be a fool or to be unfocused. In the story, Jesus then comes to the conclusion and makes a direct, harsh statement. Now, it's a direct, harsh statement because he does what we tell our kids not to do. We say, don't call people names. Yes? Don't you call people names. Look what Jesus does. But God said to him, you foolish man, this very night I will take your life away from you. Then you'll get what you have, what you have prepared for yourself. Who will get what you've prepared for yourself? What do you just call the guy? Call him a fool. Yeah? Call him a fool. He said, listen, you're a fool if you think this way. Well, that's true. Now, this is the hard, relevant reality for us, okay? The hard, relevant reality for us in this story from the past is if you're in that same place, if you think life is all about gaining wealth, and if you think somehow it's all yours, and if you think somehow it's all to be used on you, Jesus is in your face at this very moment and saying, listen, you're, you're just being foolish. You're just being foolish. And you're creating distance between yourself and God. And that creates, that distance creates the impossibility for God to bring prosperity. That's what happens. He's saying to us today, listen, wise up, okay? Listen to the story and wise up. Don't be foolish, right? Don't be foolish. Okay, so what does it mean not to be foolish? Well, don't be foolish. Instead, apply the biblical principles that God has around prosperity. Put them into place in your life. Do them. If you're not doing them, he would say you're being foolish. Because if you do them, you create the opportunity, the avenue for God's prosperity. If you don't do them, you're creating distance and a barrier between you and God and the opportunity for that prosperity. So you think, look, it's, it's pretty simple. Just Take God's wisdom and apply that into your life. You know what's coming next, right? What does it mean? We all know the truth of what Scripture teaches about how we manage our resources. One of the clear truths is we are all expected to be tithers, to give away 10% of our income first and foremost. We just give it away. Now, the sad reality in the most recent studies we have, on average, the average Christian in America gives away 2.6% of their income. Do we wonder why the church isn't experiencing prosperity? 2.6%. That's horrible. Do you know, you realize in the Great Depression, when the Great Depression took place, the people then gave away more. During the Great Depression, the average was 3.3%. We are in this huge period of prosperity by comparison. And we're giving away less. According to studies, the average Christian, the average Christian who attends worship regularly, gives away $17 a week. 
That's like $70 a month. That's like, what, 840 bucks a year. Jesus would say what? That's, that's foolish. That's just foolish. That's what he said. That's just foolish. Why? Because you're not applying God's principles, right? Now, now I share this with you, and I want to make this clear to you. I share this with you not because I want your money, right? I'm not sharing this with you because I want you to give more to Christ's church, and somehow, you know, I want your money. No, I'm sharing this with you because this is just biblical wisdom, biblical truth, and it's how God creates the avenues for prosperity to come into your life. This is not about us getting more money. This is about you getting in a right relationship with Christ and putting yourself in the right position for God to create the prosperity he wants in your life. Because we already determined there's nothing wrong with prosperity. But if you're not doing, if you're making those mistakes, it's just foolish not to do this, okay? It's just foolish not to do this. Guys, can you click me ahead again, please? Thank you. So we get back to our original question then. So we've gone through this path about, okay, so is wealth bad, good, whatever? Here we go. Now we've got to get back to the big question. Remember what the big question was? If life is not about being wealthy and all this stuff, what is life about? He ends the story by saying, this is how it will be for anyone who stores things away for himself but is not rich in God's eyes. So what is life all about? Being rich? In God's eyes. Being rich in God's eyes. Now, put this all together, okay? Just jumble this up in the blender for a minute here and and put this all together. What does it mean for us to be rich in God's eyes? What was Jesus doing? Jesus was using his position and the opportunity he was in in that moment to influence thousands of people. He was using everything that he was and everything he had in that moment to be able to influence thousands of people. You see, life is not about all the possessions and the wealth that you have. Life is about living a brilliant life that applies God's principles to advance and influence as many people as you can for the kingdom of heaven. That's what it's about. It's about influencing as many people as you can for the kingdom of heaven. Can you go ahead, guys? My clicker's not clicking here. If you look at Luke 12, now we're in Luke 12, right? So you go further down the line after he tells another story about money, okay? It says, much will be required of everyone who's been given much. Even more will be asked of the person who is supposed to take care of much. That's pretty clear. That, that Here's the deal. With our prosperity, there is the responsibility to say, how can we use this to influence for the kingdom of heaven? See, that was the guy's mistake in the beginning. Do you remember the the beginning of the story? Rich guy, lots of wealth. God puts more prosperity into his life. And what was his first question? What should I do to take care of myself? Wrong question. Wrong question. What's the right question? Because life is not all about prosperity and wealth, right, and stuff. Life is about influencing for the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, the question should have been, wow, God, you are so awesome. You added to my prosperity. What can I do if I just had a million dollars drop in my lap for the kingdom of heaven? See the difference? What can I do with everything that God pours into my life? 
and the prosperity that he gives me to just live according to those biblical principles and influence people into the kingdom of heaven. You see, that guy, when he had that extra produce, that extra prosperity, had the opportunity to be able to do some incredible things for God. And instead, what did he do? Put it in the barn for himself. That's not what life's about. Next one, guys, please. If you look at Psalm 37, Psalm uh, 37 brings it together, I think, for us. It says, find your delight in the Lord. Then he will give you everything your heart really wants. Commit your life to the Lord. Here is what he will do if you trust him. He will make your godly ways shine like the dawn. He will make your honest life shine like the sun at noon. You see, when we get this right, we don't live foolish lives. Instead, we live brilliant lives. Brilliant lives. You tell me which life you want to live. Foolish, brilliant. Foolish, brilliant. Foolish, brilliant. Huh? That's the promise. That's why this is so relevant. That's why it's an everyday issue for us. Because every day, when we get this right, we have the opportunity to live those brilliant lives that influence thousands of people for the kingdom of heaven. It's a story uh, Jesus told a long time ago. But it's going to make a difference for you tomorrow morning when you wake up and you look at the day in front of you and the prosperity God wants to bring into your life and you ask yourself, so what is my life going to be all about today? Building more barns? Or building and influencing more people into the kingdom of heaven? Let's pray. Father, thanks. Uh, It is a hard word today. And uh, we know that you challenge us to be everything that we can be and to just trust that what we sang is true, that you're enough, that you're absolutely enough, and that we're not going to let anything get in the way. We're not going to let anything separate us from you. We're going to stay faithful. We're going to apply your principles.